Good morning again. How are you guys doing? Good? Did you say terrible? Not terrific. terrific. Okay, that's better. It's like, oh, man. Good. I'm terrific, too. Yeah, me too, Jerry. Uh, if, if you're new, visiting here, uh, my name is Ben. I'm one of the pastors here, and it is a joy and a privilege for me to speak to you again from God's Word. Uh, so if you have your copy of Scriptures, you can open to 1 Peter chapter 5, starting in verse 1. I'm going to read through verse 5. If you don't have a copy of the Scriptures, there's Bibles on the table. You can feel free to take one and use it, and you can also take it with you if you like. We would love that. More Bibles in Williamstown, the better. That's what I say. All right, 1 Peter 5, starting in verse 1. Listen as I read. So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock, And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another, for God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. This is God's word. Would you bow with me for one more brief time of prayer? Lord, we acknowledge again that we are undeserving, uh, that we should hear again from your word. Uh, We thank you that you have preserved your word for us, that you speak to us, that it's living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing the division between the soul and spirit. Lord, that your word is life. So, Lord, we are thankful that now we get to sit under the ministry of your word. And and we do acknowledge that your word stands over us. And so, Lord, I pray now that, um, that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart would be acceptable and pleasing in your sight. That you would indeed sanctify us in the truth. For your word is truth. Lord, do this now for the sake of your people, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, I said. Okay. Uh, do you like meeting new people? The extroverts are like, woohoo. Introverts are like, no. I do. I don't know what that means. I guess I'm an extrovert. I do. And invariably, uh, in that first conversation, you get around to a common question that is, uh, what do you do for a living? You know, you meet someone, what do you do for a living? And sometimes when I ask some of that question, like I track, and I'm, I'm with them, they're like, I'm a teacher, or I'm a nurse, or I'm a doctor. And I'm like, okay, I'm with you. I get that. I, I can kind of envision what you do from day to day. Uh, but then there's the tech people. I don't, know, I don't know if there's tech people here. But the tech people, most of, if, you, if you talk to a tech person, in the tech industry, like, what do you do? They won't even tell you their job title because they know you won't understand it. Have you ever had that conversation? So they were like, um, uh, I'm a developmental operations engineer. Like, okay, that means nothing to me. I have no idea what that is. So they'll be like, um, I'm a chief logistics officer. Okay, I got nothing. I, can't, I have no way to envision what that means day to day. Sometimes it isn't immediately clear what a person's job is from their title. And for many people, when they hear about elders in a church, uh, they feel the same way I feel when I try to understand someone who's in the technology industry. Uh, They they ask themselves, what do they actually do? What is the task of an elder? Well, you you know that we are in the second week of a four-week series on biblical leadership in the church. 
Uh, and we are doing that for uh, a couple reasons. One is, is broadly, uh, God has given us clear instructions about how the church should be ordered uh, and, and what it means to have leaders in the church. So it's good for us to understand that. Uh, but secondly, as you've heard Jeremy pray, and as we've mentioned, uh, and as you saw Brian up here, we are moving towards, as a congregation, affirming Brian Keola as another elder in this church. I mean, the final stage in that process is you as members affirming him as an elder. But in order for you to do that, uh, you need to know what qualifies him to be an elder. You, know, you need to know what qualifies a person to be an elder. And you also need to know what an elder does. You need to be able to, to, to gauge whether or not Brian is, is fit to do the, the task to fulfill the role uh, of an elder in the Lord's strength, of course. Um, so I'm going to bring you back to this uh, sentence that I, I gave you last week, and we're going to come back to it each week uh, and, and, and examine a particular part of it. I told you last week that, that you need godly leaders over you who resemble Jesus and who are committed to pointing you to Jesus in everything. And we focused uh, last week on our need for leaders and, and that they need to resemble Jesus. They, they need to be qualified according to Paul's uh, instructions in 1 Timothy 3 and also in, in Titus. Uh, that's what we saw last week, God, that God calls qualified men to serve in the church and to lead, uh, and that they are called elders but, but here's the question that I want to address this morning is, uh, what do they do? Like, what does an elder do? What is their role? What, are, what is the task of eldering? Uh, sadly, there's lots of confusion in the church about what an elder is called to be and do. Uh, are they the ones who make big decisions? Are they the ones who handle all the money? deal with all the finances? Are they, uh, is their job to organize the worship service? Uh, to organize weekly meetings? Uh, are they the ones who run the ministries and programs? Uh, are they the ones responsible for growing the church? While there are certainly elements of what I just mentioned that uh, fit into what elders do, week to week, uh, none of that really captures what elders are most essentially called to be and to do. But if we come to the Bible and, and come to Peter's words here in this passage, here in, in particular in verse 2, the answer is very simple. The, 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 the elder's job description is very plain and clear to us, and it is this. And you could see it there in verse 2 in, your, in, your, in the Bible. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you. Elders in the church are shepherds of God's people. And really this morning, I, I, I want to meditate on that phrase. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you. I want to meditate with you on that phrase by looking at the job of shepherds, the heart of shepherds, the smell of shepherds, and also the chief of shepherds. The job, the heart, the smell, and the chief. You guys are like, what is he going to say about the smell of shepherds? Well, you'll just have to wait. Let's talk about the job of shepherds. Uh, Peter is writing to churches here in, in this epistle, in Peter's epistle, he's writing to churches in Asia Minor, and in chapter 5, he addresses the leaders specifically and exhorts them to fulfill the task that God has given them. He says, verse 1, look at it again. So you have it there in front of you, verse 1, he says, So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight. Shepherd the flock. Those are God's inspired words to church leaders. And here we learn something about the nature of what an elder is. In some churches, and maybe you, some of you uh, have come from these churches or have experienced uh, being in a church like this, uh, where this is the case, uh, that elders, if they had them, 
function like a board of trustees that are really meant to sort of like keep the pastor in check. It's like a check and balance against the pastor. The pastor's going to do his thing, and the, and the elders exist as sort of like a board to make sure he doesn't like go off the rails. But the, what Peter is telling us here is that elders are pastors. Do you see that? They are one and the same. Because, of course, that word pastor that we use is just a Latin word that we've adopted that means what? Shepherd. That's what a pastor is. It's a Latin word. It just means shepherd. And you can see this even more clearly in Ephesians 4.11. Is anyone here rocking with like an NIV or an NASB? You NIV? Okay. Ephesians 4.11. It says, I'm going to read part of it for you. And then I want to tell you, uh, then I want you to tell me what your translation says. Ephesians 4.11. You with me there, Sue? Okay. It says, and he gave the apostles the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry for building up the body of Christ. Now, who's riding with an ESV? I know a lot of you have got an ESV Bible in here. Okay, someone tell me what the ESV Bible says right there where, where Sue read pastors. What does it say? Shepherds. Shepherds. It is, in the original language, it is the word shepherd. They are synonymous. Pastor, shepherd. What do elders do? They pastor. They are shepherds. Who is supposed to shepherd or pastor the flock? The elders of the church. Elders are pastors. Their job is to shepherd Jesus' sheep. And so what that means is that they are are not CEOs. That they are not senior vice presidents. They're not managers. They're not professionals in any way. They are shepherds who have been given charge of some of Jesus' sheep to do what? To do what? Peter says to exercise oversight. Well, what does that mean? Well, well here it's, it's helpful to think about what an actual shepherd's job is. And really, it's a brilliant metaphor. Now, kids... I, have, I see my kids are deep in coloring. Are there, are there kids here that can tell me, what do you think a shepherd, like an actual shepherd, what does a shepherd do? Like what's the job of a shepherd? They keep sheep, Caleb. They herd sheep. Well, is that what you were going to say, Cole? Cobe? They take care of sheep. That word care is very important. They take care of sheep. What were you going to say, Adley? They protect the sheep. Good. Yeah, we're going to talk about that in just a minute. Look, here's, if, if you're thinking about what a shepherd's job is, like if you are employed as a shepherd, their job is to care for the sheep so that they grow up and mature into healthy adult sheep who will reproduce more sheep. That's a, that's a job of a shepherd. Jerry? They do, like if they are in danger, they save them, right? They have to protect them. That's right. The job of a shepherd is to care for the sheep and, and, and help them to grow up to maturity to adult sheep who reproduce into more sheep. That's what shepherds do. They are to exercise a watchful care over the sheep with the goal of nurturing them along to maturity. And how do they do that? How do, they, how do they actually go about the work of shepherding? Well, Ezekiel 34 is very helpful here. Um, if you're not familiar with Ezekiel, uh, Ezekiel is a prophet. He's writing to the Jewish people during the exile of Babylon. And here in Ezekiel chapter four, uh, 34, God is actually, uh, he's, he's ridiculing and criticizing and indicting the shepherds of Israel for their failures. And as God explains how they failed, we get an actually a, a pretty clear picture of what God expects of his shepherds, of, of how he expects these qualified men to shepherd his people. And uh, we see really four main responsibilities that emerge uh, from uh, Ezekiel 34. And, you know, what do you know? They all begin with a P. I don't know how it happens. It just does. Uh, so four main responsibilities. Their first responsibility is that shepherds pursue 
wandering and lost sheep. So you see in Ezekiel 34, shepherds pursue lost and wandering sheep. Ezekiel 34, and you can turn there if you want. It's, it's in the bulletin. It's the passage that we read. This is what, that's what I'm pulling this from. Ezekiel 34, God is condemning the leaders of Israel who were supposed to shepherd God's people, but instead they allowed them to be scattered. They were scattered all over the face of the earth on mountains and on every high hill wandering about. And that's, again, that's a metaphor for the way in which the people were exiled because of their idolatry. And while the sheep wandered and went astray, the shepherds stayed put and they did not pursue them. But if you keep reading, the Lord, uh, the Lord declares that he will be a shepherd to his people. And that this is, if you jump down, I didn't read this section. It's in uh, uh, that same chapter in verse 16. He says, he will be a shepherd to his people. And the first thing he says he will do, this is what he says. He says, I will seek the lost. I will bring back the strayed. He says, I will go out and pursue lost sheep. Do you remember uh, Jesus' parable in Luke 15? He asks, it, it's a parable actually in the form of a question. He asks, uh, what man among you having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one, does not leave the 99 in the open country to go after the one that is lost? Where elders in the church see sheep who have begun to spiritually wander and stray and have even become lost Elders in the church are not passive. They don't just sort of like shrug their shoulders and say, oh, I hope they find their way back. No, they're, they're, the, the task that God has given them is to pursue, is to actively, uh, to initiate, to insert themselves into the lostness and the straightness of these sheep and go and find them and bring them back. So I'm going to move through these quickly. That's the first one. They pursue lost and wandering sheep. But number two, a couple of you, a couple of the kids said this, shepherds protect sheep from spiritual danger. They, they, they protect sheep. Uh, in that very same text in Ezekiel 34, God condemns the shepherds for allowing the sheep to become prey and food for the wild beasts. When Paul left the elders at Ephesus in Acts 20, uh, he had these final words for them. He said, uh, Acts 20, 28, he says, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. So the exercising oversight, you can see that same thing there. To care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. What's tall Paul, uh, what is Paul talking about when he talks about fierce wolves? He's not talking about literal wolves. He's talking about false teachers who will come in and do real spiritual damage because they will be teaching false doctrines. They will be teaching things that do not accord with the gospel of Jesus Christ, things that do not accord with the word of God. And they will do real spiritual danger and lead some astray if they can. And so what we see is that, and we, saw, we talked about this a little bit last week, the elders are to be gentle and tender-hearted and not quarrelsome. And they're not people that are, are looking for a fight, but they will fight if necessary. They will go to the mat for the sheep that they have been called to care for. You know, if you, if you think about the, 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 uh, the tools of a shepherd. Kids, let me come to you again. Kids, when you, when you picture a shepherd, what are they holding in their hand? A staff. And what does the staff look like? It looks kind of like a cane, right? It's a little candy cane kind of look to it, like goes up and has a little thing at the end. And that, that's a little crook in that cane is for literally grabbing sheep by the neck and directing them. But it also was a weapon, right? If, if, if necessary, the shepherd would wield his staff as a weapon to protect the sheep from danger. And so it is with elders. They don't, they don't physically, they, they don't actually have physical staffs that they beat away false teachers with, but they wield the weapon of God's word to protect the sheep that God has given them to care for. So they are called to protect sheep from spiritual danger. And number three, shepherds 
provide. All right, you tracking the P's with me? They pursue lost and wandering sheep. They protect sheep from spiritual danger. Danger and, and three, shepherds provide spiritual nourishment for the sheep. They provide spiritual nourishment. Uh, that is, they nurture and care for the spiritual well-being of the sheep they've been entrusted with. Again, in Ezekiel 34, God condemns the shepherds for neglecting to feed the sheep while they feasted and fed themselves. See, the job of a shepherd is to make sure the sheep are well provided for, that they have food to eat and water to drink. And, and now you get that, again, this is, this is a metaphor. He, you know, the, my, my job is not to come into your house and like feed you or you know, give you, make sure you're drinking enough water during the day. It's a physical metaphor for spiritual sustenance. As elders, their, their, their job is to make sure that the sheep they've been given charge of are fed good spiritual food, that they are given the bread of life in Jesus Christ, that they are given living water to drink, that their souls might be satisfied. Here the, the language of Psalm 23 is particularly powerful. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The Lord, of course, being the preeminent example of what a good shepherd is. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures and he leads me beside still waters. What is David saying? He's saying God is a good shepherd who leads me into spiritual pastures where I can be fed and nourished beside still waters where I can quench the deep thirst of my soul. And so it is the task of elders to make sure the sheep are fed and nourished. So that when you come and you sit here on a Sunday morning, the word that's being preached is helpful, that it's biblically faithful, that it will be good for your soul, that it will point you to Jesus Christ. They feed you, elders feed the sheep this food primarily through teaching and preaching, through distributing the food of God's word. Now, this is the food that is needful for us. I, I, I think of, uh, you know, Deuteronomy 8. The man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. That's the food we need. The food we need is God's word, him speaking to us. And elders are called to faithfully give food, good food to, to Jesus' sheep. So they are uh, pursuers of lost and wandering sheep, protectors of sheep who are in spiritual danger and they are providers of spiritual nourishment for the sheep. And, and lastly, and this is maybe like a banner over all of it, shepherds must point the sheep in the right direction. Right? Shepherds have a, a directing, leading function. Their job is to guide and direct the sheep in the right direction. And, and yeah, we can make some application to how the you know, elders need to make uh, decisions about the direction of church and vision and things like that, but that's not really what I'm getting at. What I'm getting at is the way in which elders are called to always be, and we, this is in that sentence that I said, always be pointing the elders to Christ, to the true shepherd, to the great shepherd, to the source of living water. It's a derelict and incompetent shepherd who points his sheep toward a cliff, right? Right? The shepherd must always point and move the sheep in the direction of life. Which is to say they must always point the sheep towards Christ. One of the things the shepherds of Israel failed to realize is that their shepherding was supposed to be a demonstration, an exhibition of God's own shepherding of them. That's why it was so heinous. That's why God was so angry. Because they had totally misrepresented the way in which God shepherds his people. Their shepherding was ultimately meant to, to, to point to him, but instead it became this self-serving thing. And so elders must always shepherd in a way that points the Lord's sheep to him in what they say and in the way that they live, in the example they set and in the words that they speak. Now there's a lot more that we could say about the job uh, of elders, but that gives you kind of some main hangers, some main categories 
And as, you know, I would encourage you, maybe uh, over lunch this morning, as you've been in different churches and you're here now in this church, to talk about what, the word teach, uh, what God's Word teaches about the, the role and the job of elders and how you've seen that uh, played out here in this body and in other churches. But let's move on to the heart of shepherds. That's the job of shepherds. Let's talk about the heart of shepherds. Look how Peter goes on. Right? That, that, that's the job, but, but now he gets uh, to the very heart. You see, in, in most job interviews... Uh, anyone interview for a job recently? Okay, if you go on a job interview, uh, what they are, what the what the interviewer is trying to figure out primarily is: Are you competent to perform the task? Like, are you able to do the job that you're interviewing for? They're not really concerned about your inner life. Like, maybe tangentially concerned. But primarily, they want to know, can you do the job? But for the elder, doing the job well requires a particular kind of inner life, a kind of heart that Peter describes here. He says they must exercise oversight, verse 2, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. Here Peter gives three positive descriptions. Uh, there's actually like a negative and a positive, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'll talk to you about the negatives, but I want to focus on the positives. He gives three positive descriptions of the shepherd's heart. He says uh, the shepherd is willing to serve. Now, that doesn't mean willing the way sometimes we, we use the word willing. Like sometimes we're like, I really want to do it, but I'm willing. It's not what he means. He means uh, that it's not compulsory. It's not forced upon them. Of their own free decision, of their own free accord, their own will, they, they want to serve as a shepherd. They, they, they are willing the, the man is not being forced. It's why we saw Paul say last week, if anyone desires the office of an overseer, there's an element of desire in their qualification. You have to want to do it. But he's not only willing to do it, it's not only a heart that is willing, but a heart that is eager. Uh, this, of course, is closely related to willingness, but the point here is that he's not motivated by something other than the glory of God in the well-being of the sheep. And you see the, the, the negative, right? Not for shameful gain, but eagerly. He's not like so many of the men and women today who call themselves pastors, but really are what Paul calls peddlers of God's grace, who are in who take the office, who, who call themselves pastors, whether they really are one or not, who take the office to, to take advantage of sheep, to feed themselves, to make money. Right? That's kind of what he has in mind, the shameful gain. And look, we can multiply examples, like turn on the TV and you'll see them. Men calling themselves pastors, but who are very apparently in it, not really for the well-being of the sheep, but to make a buck. That's their motivation. Paul says, no, they're, they're eager. And what they're eager for is God's glory, is, is maturity in Christ in the sheep they've been given to care for. That's their motive. Do you, do you see how Peter is getting at a heart here? It's not just outward qualifications, but a heart. He goes on, he says, uh, he is not domineering, but an example to the, flocks, uh, to the flock. In other words, his whole life is lived in service to the sheep. Now, you know this. You, you know this because of bosses that you've had. You know this from uh, leaders that you've been in, in different contexts. You know that there is a kind of leader that thinks that those he leads exist for him, to prop up his leadership and to serve him. Have, have, you, have you known those kinds of leaders before? So they are domineering. They rule with a heavy hand. They are impatient and demanding. They're the kind of leaders that when they walk into a room, everyone sort of like puts their heads down, like avoids eye contact, shuffles their things around to make them look busy. 
But Peter says God's leaders, the elders of a church, understand that they are servants of God, first and foremost, and they are servants of the sheep. The leaders exist for the sheep, for the sake of the sheep's well-being. They exist for the sheep to care for them, and so they are gentle, and they're understanding, and they're gracious. And so the very example of their lives is meant to be an encouragement to the sheep. When an elder of a church walks in the room, it should be refreshing. It should be encouraging. It should be warm. It should be welcoming. It shouldn't be, don't make eye contact. That that would be a problem. And look, if I could just put a period on this. If If you sort of just zoom out, what is the point of this? Peter's description here, if you look at the whole thing, the kind of heart he's describing the kind of heart that the shepherd needs is a heart of love for the sheep. That's what he's just, he's describing a heart, one that's willing, that's eager, one that's in it for the good of the sheep. What does that sound like to you? Shepherds are, 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 are men who have hearts of love for the sheep. And Paul says as much to Timothy in the opening of his first epistle. We were in 1 Timothy last week. Timothy is his young pastor, protege. And he says in verse, the first five verses, he says, the aim of our charge, Timothy, is love. Now, brothers and sisters, I hope you know this. But I want to make sure I say it, and I want to make sure you hear it. I want you to hear me say, I love you guys. I want you to hear me say that we as elders really, really love you as members of this church, as brothers and sisters, by God's grace. And, and, you, and you know that if ever we have loved you well, and, we, and you know that we will not love you well perfectly all the time, but if ever we have loved you well, it's because of God's love at work in our own hearts through Christ That's the heart of shepherds, a heart of love for the sheep, a heart of love to see God and Christ magnified in the lives of the sheep. That's the job, the heart, and now the moment you've all been waiting for, the smell of sheep, the smell of shepherds. Kids, uh, how many of you like the smell of farm animals? Caleb's like, yeah, that's me. Levi, all right, we've got a lot of, all right, good. Kids like small farm animals. Uh, can someone tell me what do sheep smell like? Yeah? They smell good? I don't, honestly, I don't really know the answer to this question because I've never stopped to like smell a sheep, but I don't know. Do they smell good? <laughs> I'm looking at the farm people. They, they don't smell more good. Okay, that was, my, that was my, you know, my intuition that they didn't smell great, but who knows? Okay, um, so sheep don't smell good. Okay, what, do, what then do you think shepherds? I'm talking about literal shepherd at this point. What do you think shepherds smell like? They do. That's the thing. Shepherds smell like sheep. Sheep are not, I'm talking about literal sheep here. You know, I'm going I'm to make spiritual application. But I'm talking about physical sheep. Physical sheep, they stink. And so shepherds are stinky. Now, why is that? Mm-hmm. Mags. Because, yeah, because shepherds, when you think about a shepherd, they are with their sheep. They are among their sheep. You see, baked into Peter's words is the assumption or the ex- expectation that shepherds do their work among the sheep. And so they smell like sheep. Uh, Jeremy Ryan, in his book on church elders, he gives this thought experiment, and I'm going to give it to you. He says, imagine a literal shepherd, right? Picture him in your head. Picture a literal shepherd in your head. And and now whether you're picturing an Irish shepherd, you know, leading a flock through the countryside, or like a Bedouin shepherd leading sheep through the desert, whatever you're picturing, when you imagine a shepherd, what is he always with? The sheep. The sheep. He's always with the flock. You you never imagine a shepherd like away from his sheep. They aren't off somewhere else. 
The, the shepherds don't shepherd from some high tower. They are in and amongst the sheep, speaking to them, guiding them, inspecting them, knowing them. And because they are always amongst the sheep, they smell like sheep. And at the risk of, I'm not trying to like make any commentary about how you smell, I'm just trying to make a point about how shepherds live their lives amongst the, the God's people, right? I'm trying to make this point that, again, flies directly contrary to the way a lot of people conceive of elders in the church, right? For, for, for many people, elders are board members behind closed doors, making big decisions and strategizing and planning, and they're inaccessible to regular church folk. But that's not at all the picture you get in the scriptures. What you see in here, in Peter's words and elsewhere, is that shepherds know their sheep. Shepherding presupposes a real relationship with sheep. You see, the shepherds are acquainted with their sheep. Now, this isn't a sermon about church membership, but can you see the connection? Right? You see, one of the implications of the biblical role of shepherds is that they need to know who their sheep are. They are called to know their sheep and not just know their names or their birthday or their favorite color, but to know them, to know spiritual weaknesses, spiritual struggles, spiritual strengths, to know what things they are uh, besetting sins that they struggle with, to know the things that will tempt them, to know ways that they need particular encouragement. And in order to, to know those things, they need to know, these are my sheep. These are the people that I am accountable for, and these are the people I'm going to invest in knowing. Uh, Jeremy prayed uh, from this passage earlier on in, from Hebrews 13, uh, 17. We read these words, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Right, the, the, the assumption is that the shepherds, and this is a weighty matter. You know, we were together uh, this week as elders praying for uh, a number of you, and this weighs on us regularly that we are going to have to give an account that at any moment the Lord Jesus could show up and be like, okay, it's time to give an account for the sheep in your charge. And so we need to know who the sheep are. <clears throat> All right, where am I? like shepherds, they will have to give an account for all the sheep. You know, a shepherd leaves the pen with 300 and then comes home with 275 and has no idea what has happened to the missing 25. It's a negligent and careless shepherd. It's one of the most important uh, rationales, I think, for church membership. Not the only, but one of the most important. Shepherds are accountable for the sheep, which means they need to know who they are. And once they know who they are, it's their job to know them uh, in real relationship. And you see that uh, idea in Ezekiel 34 that they're binding up the weak and they're addressing sickness. And so elders in the church, they know when, when one sheep is sick, when one is weak, when one is recovering, when one is strong, when one is straying, which ones are prone to this thing or that. Here's what I'm trying to say. There are no ivory tower shepherds. There are no behind-closed-door elders. You, you cannot love the idea of being a pastor and an elder and not love the sheep that God gives to shepherd. Now, let me make some application to, to you who are not elders. What this means, what this implies, is not only the necessity, but the goodness of having elders over you to love you and to care for you spiritually. That's not to say that elders bear final responsibility for your spiritual well-being, but they do bear some responsibility. And you actually cut yourself off and weaken and disadvantage yourself by not recognizing the necessity and the goodness of being under a group of elders who will shepherd and care for your soul. That's the job, the heart, the smell of shepherds. But as we come to a close here, let's, let's consider the chief of shepherds. 
Let me draw your attention to the fact that Peter exhorts the elders to shepherd the flock of God. In other words, the task of the elder is a delegated task. They are given a stewardship from God to shepherd not their sheep, but his sheep. They are shepherds, but always shepherding the flock of God. And again, Paul puts his finger on this reality when he addresses the elders in Ephesus in Acts 20. He he says again, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. You see, if you are in Christ this morning, first of all, praise God. If you are in Christ this morning, praise God. You are his precious sheep because he purchased you with his own blood. You are the beloved reward for his sufferings. And so if the elders of Christ's church will carry out their task faithfully, they must always remember that they have been made overseers of Christ's blood-bought sheep. And even that word overseers, it communicates something of a delegated role, right? The overseers are not owners. The shepherds don't own the sheep. The sheep don't belong to them. They are overseers. They are caretakers of what has been entrusted to them. And Peter has this reality, specifically this reality in his mind when he says in verse 4, in 1 Peter 5, verse 4, he says, and when the chief shepherd appears you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Now we're going to come to that promise of receiving the the, the crown of glory in a couple weeks, but for now I want to meditate on this reality of Jesus as the chief shepherd. Elders are shepherds of God's church, but they are under shepherds to a chief shepherd who is the Lord Jesus Christ. They shepherd on behalf of and at the behest of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so the measure of their success is the degree to which they faithfully shepherd as an extension and demonstration of Jesus' perfect shepherding and care for his sheep. He is the one they look to in everything. And and you see, for, for too long now in churches, Churches have been taking their cues from the world on what leadership should look like. And so many pastors, and you know this, you flick around on the internet. Many pastors now look like CEOs. They look like motivational speakers and platform builders and content managers. And it's why so few of them look like shepherds. That's why so few of them look like Jesus because they're looking to the world for their cues on leadership and not to Jesus who is the model of what shepherding elder pastoral leadership looks like. You see, when we look at the chief shepherd, can we do this for a minute? Can we look at the chief shepherd and how he leads? When you look at the chief shepherd and how he leads, we find a shepherd who pursues lost and wandering sheep. A chief shepherd who left his heavenly home to pursue the lost. Brothers and sisters, I know I've been talking a lot about shepherds, but don't you know that by implication, what that means is that we are sheep. That means we're sheep. When the Bible wants to, when the Bible thinks about an animal, like, you know, what our Christian spirit animal is, if you want to think about it that way, we're sheep. We're sheep. And what that means is that we have all gone astray. We're like sheep. We're like dumb sheep who go our own way. And don't you know that as a sheep, you were lost? Can you hear this again? That you were lost, absolutely lost. Because of your sin, you had wandered away from God. You had gone your own way and chased after your own desires. And and you you were lost and gone. And there was no way back to the fold. Because of your own pride and your own foolishness, all you had as a lost, despairing sheep was the promise 
and the sad hope of destruction. But, but Jesus, the chief shepherd, sought after you. He, he came into the world to pursue you. He made the furthest journey from heaven to earth to come and find you and bring you into his fold. He loved you and he chased you down with love and mercy and grace. And why? So that he could bring you to eternal safety in him. You are in a kind of spiritual danger. Right? Shepherds pursue lost and wandering sheep. They protect sheep from danger. You are in a kind of spiritual danger that you cannot even imagine. A spiritual danger so menacing and so treacherous that it would have cost you your very soul for all of eternity. You would have become the object of eternal destruction and condemnation. But he came to bring you safety and to protect you. And so he took the burden of your judgment on his back at the cross. And listen, you know shepherds, they smell like sheep because they spend time around the sheep. Do you know the son of God? He took on flesh. He became like the sheep. Why? So he could bear in his body the punishment that they deserved. He endured the destruction and the abandonment you deserve. And don't you see, look, think about this. What does the wandering sheep, the, 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 the sheep that is in the fold, who has a good shepherd leading and patiently guiding streams of water and green pastures, and the sheep that says, I'm going to go my own way, I'm going to do my own thing, and they wander off into ravines and gorges and all they, all, they're just going to be lost forever. What does that sheep deserve? They deserve to just be abandoned. Let them go. They left the flock. But don't you see that it's on the cross where Jesus is the one who is abandoned. He is the one who is left to die. On the cross, Christ was abandoned and left to die so that you could be brought in, so that you could be gathered into the sheepfold. Through his finished work and resurrection, you were made eternally safe in him. He brought you into his fold. And now, look, he promises to provide good food for you always, to nourish you, to uphold you, to keep you. That's what we sang, that he will hold us fast, that he will nourish us and provide for us, that he will sustain us until we reach maturity in him, that he will promise, that he will fulfill all of his purposes, that the good work that he started in us, he will bring to completion. And so always he, he invites you to come to him and be nourished. We're, we're going to come to the table here in a minute. And it is supposed to be another instance in which we hear Jesus himself inviting us to come again and be nourished by the body broken and by the blood poured out for the forgiveness of sins. Right? He, he's the shepherd who moves towards us to make sure that we, that our soul's thirst is satisfied. Right? On the cross, he cried out, I thirst. Why? Because he was bearing in his body the eternal thirst of the soul that we deserve so that he could come to us and give living water and give his own blood for us to drink. And brothers and sisters, as we're closing here, think what was the heart behind his work? What was the heart of this shepherd? Did he do his work grudgingly? Was he forced? Did like God the Father have to twist Jesus' arm to come into the world and rescue his sheep? No, he did it willingly. Do, do, you, do you know Jesus as a savior who was eager to save you? There was nothing in it for him but you. And don't you see that, right? God the Son had for all eternity God the Father's acceptance and approval and delight and praise. And why then does Jesus come into the world and suffer and die? He comes into the world to seek and save the lost. He comes into the world to get you, to bring you into his fold. But even though he is the King of kings and Lord of lords, he didn't come demanding or domineering. He came gentle and lowly inviting you, his sheep, to come to him and find rest for your souls. Brothers and sisters, don't you know that Jesus' heart towards you is love? 
I told you this morning that you would hear good news. And could there be any better news than this? That God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit, that God's heart towards you is love. Why? What is so lovely about us? We're stinky sheep. What is so lo- Nothing. But he chooses to set his love upon us in Christ. I, I, I think about uh, you know, Matthew's gospel when Jesus comes upon a group of people. Do you remember this? He co- this is actually Matthew summarizing Jesus' ministry. You don't have to turn there, but Matthew 9, uh, it says, And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. He, he looks at you and his heart is filled with compassion. And you know, I've told you this, word, this before. That word in the Greek, compassion, it literally means like his bowels, his guts, like from his inside, from his very heart. His heart towards you is love. Won't you trust him? Won't you depend on him? Friend, if you're here and you have not yet trusted Christ... Make it today. He is a good shepherd. We know, you know, that what you need is a good shepherd to lead you and guide you into soul nourishment, soul satisfaction, the eternal safety of your soul. And Jesus is a good shepherd who lays down his life for his sheep. And so as elders look to Christ, we see the task of elders. That they shepherd the flock of God. And that they always do it looking to and resting in the chief shepherd who perfectly cares for all the souls of his sheep and perfectly preserves them, all of them, all the days of their lives until they reach glory while they will be embraced into his arms. Amen. We have a good shepherd, the chief shepherd. Let's go to him in prayer. Lord, we thank you for your word. Uh, We thank you that it's clear, that it instructs us. Uh, But we thank you most of all that it it nourishes us. It gives us life. That in your word, and particularly in the chief shepherd, in Jesus Christ, the shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep, there is life. There is hope. There is peace. There is rest. So Lord, I pray uh, that these brothers and sisters would find rest again in their chief shepherd, that they would entrust themselves to the, to the elders of this church as they seek to lead in a way that would honor you and would care for the sheep. And Lord, that, um, that you would be honored in all of this. That's our prayer. And we pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.